This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We wish you a warm welcome to the ministry of the Christian Crusaders on this first Sunday in Advent. What is your outlook on the future these days? Is it gloomy or optimistic? Is it based on a solid foundation? The Bible tells us that in spite of all the tribulations surrounding us, Christians have a hopeful future. Let's learn more about this exciting truth in our message entitled, A Promising Future. We're beginning a new sermon series for the Advent season that I'm excited about. I've entitled it, A Season of Promise. Today, we're going to look at our promising future. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, speak into our lives with your holy word and open our eyes once again to the wonders of your power, your love, and your grace. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our reading for today is taken from Matthew chapter 24, beginning at verse 36. Jesus said, But concerning that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until that day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, and one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake." 
For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand, in Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied for sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. There in the ground his body lay. Light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day. Up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands for victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his, and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of christ i'll stand dear friends it's been said that where there is no hope for the future there is no power for the present Hope is a critical element in life. I read somewhere once that humans can live for 40 days without food and eight days without water, four minutes without oxygen, but only a few seconds without hope. Pastor Timothy Keller uses this illustration in his book, Making Sense of God. 
Imagine you have two women of the same age, the same socioeconomic status, the same educational level, and even the same temperament. You hire both of them and say to each, you are part of an assembly line, and I want you to put part A into slot B and then hand what you have assembled to someone else. I want you to do that over and over for eight hours a day. You put them in identical rooms with identical lighting, temperature, and ventilation. You give them the very same number of breaks in a day. It's very boring work. Their conditions are the same in every way except for one difference. You tell the first woman that at the end of the year you will pay her $30,000, and you tell the second woman that at the end of the year you will pay her $30 million. After a couple of weeks, the first woman will be saying, isn't this tedious? Isn't it driving you insane? Aren't you thinking about quitting? And the second woman will say, no, this is perfectly acceptable. In fact, I whistle while I work. What's going on? You have two human beings who are experiencing identical circumstances in radically different ways. What makes the difference? It's their expectation of the future. This illustration is not intended to say that all we need is a good income. It does, however, show that what we believe about our future completely controls how we are experiencing our present. We are irreducibly hope-based creatures. What is your outlook on the future these days? Is it a hopeful outlook and is it based upon a solid foundation? Today's Bible text is about having a hopeful future. We're told in this story that Jesus is coming again. We don't think about that fact very often, but in our Christian creeds, the Nicene and Apostles' creeds, we say he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Have you ever given much thought to that statement and what it means for you? Is it a negative statement in your mind as you roll it around in your head? I know that in the past, Bible teaching about the second coming of Christ was thought of as doomsday preaching. But that doesn't need to be the case. I propose that we view it as the ray of hope that shines as an ever-brightening beam in a darkening, chaotic world. That Jesus is coming again is promising news, hopeful news, for the follower of Jesus Christ because you and I both know the world can be turbulent and dangerous, and it can make us feel afraid and get us depressed and discouraged. Some days it seems like things are just getting worse in this fallen world of ours. Seems like the days are a little darker. We see it on the news. Wars that never end. Cruelty between human beings. Human suffering. Corruption in government. Environmental challenges. Earthquakes. Flooding. Fires. Drought. Climate change. Food and drink that you always thought was okay for you, now you find out can actually be killing you. There's the opioid addiction that's way out of hand in our country. And as you look around, you see immorality and godlessness all around us. We see local church attendance shrinking, and secularism seems to be growing in our society. By the way, Jesus said that would be the case. He knew. Just read the first part of Matthew 24. 
And living in the midst of all this darkness of a fallen world can be more than a little unsettling, and it can be downright overwhelming and even cause us to throw up our hands in an air of resignation and despair. And we live each day without much power, unplugged, where there is no hope for the future, there's no power for the present. So Jesus has promised, but I'm coming again. It's really meant to be a word of reassurance and encouragement. You see, his return in power and glory is grounds for Christian optimism and strength. He has the final word. The world is not headed for ultimate chaos and disaster, but for the return of the king and his coronation for eternity. His kingdom shall know no end. We can live knowing that history is not a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury and signifying nothing. History is actually going somewhere. History is his God's story. Evangelist Billy Graham wrote one time, history's going somewhere. And we know full well that he who does all things well will bring beauty from the ashes of world chaos. A new world is being born. A new social order will emerge when Christ reappears. A fabulous future is on the way. A fabulous future is on the way. God has a plan, you see. An end to this world as we know it. A grand finale of sorts where we will see Jesus again and every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. No more sorrow, no more death, no more suffering, no more evil. That's the promise which awaits us in the future. Peace and Salvation lie ahead for the follower of Jesus Christ. Now, naturally, this news makes people wonder, as those disciples did, well, when, when? Are there signs that we should be looking for? And Jesus tells us, don't waste your time asking those questions. First of all, let me tell you, I don't know when. Only the Father knows. I want you to think about that, friend, that statement. The Father knows. Our loving, caring Father is in control. He knows. Even the worst of times is in the best of hands. The almighty creator of the universe, whom we call Father, is in charge the faithful one who has never turned his back on his world, who keeps his word to those whom he has created in his image, whom he values, has everything taken care of. It's under control. Jesus says, I can't tell you when, but I can tell you how to look to the future. He says, live ready, be ready, live expectantly as if each day is your last and live confidently knowing that 
I am his and he's coming again to take me to himself. It begins with faith in Jesus Christ. Trusting him as your Savior and Lord. Asking him to take over your life. It's recognizing your own helplessness when it comes to your life and your future. Recognizing your sinfulness and that there's no hope for forgiveness except in the way God has provided. Placing your trust in Jesus Christ, his Son, the Lord of heaven and earth. It means daily living with him in his word, discovering and rediscovering what are his promises to me, what his expectations of me are as his follower. Living ready means obediently serving him while I wait. I obediently serve him by carrying out the Great Commission, telling other people about what God has done for us through his son Jesus Christ and helping them to grow up as I disciple them in the faith. It's using that great knowledge of what lies ahead and pointing people towards it as a witness. Malcolm Muggeridge, a noted British journalist, was a guest at a breakfast in Washington, D.C. several years ago. When he had finished his testimony, he made a number of comments about world affairs, all of which were very pessimistic. One of the Christians present said to the speaker, Dr. Muggeridge, you have been very pessimistic. Don't you have any reason for optimism? And Muggeridge replied, My friend, I could not be more optimistic than I am because my hope is in Jesus Christ alone. Muggeridge allowed that remark to settle for a few seconds, and then he added, Just think, if the apostolic church had pinned its hope on the Roman Empire, he pointed them to Christ, didn't he? I'm ready by living out the great commandment, loving God and loving my neighbor as myself in service. Isn't it interesting that the Apostle Paul referred to himself in his letters as a servant? I read this little article a while back out of Faith and Leadership magazine. And the article says, it's possible to be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. But Professor Todd Whitmore from Notre Dame has also observed how heavenly minded can lead to incredible deeds of earthly goodness. After the war in Uganda had dragged on for over 20 years, Whitmore moved into the refugee camps in northern Uganda to hear the stories of the displaced Acholi people. As he observed the Christians who were working among the Acholi, he saw what he called what real Christianity looks like. Whitmore discovered that the most practical and helpful workers among the Acholi were also the most heavenly-minded. He called them reasonable apocalypse, which means that these Christian workers thought a lot about God's intervention at the end of history. 
And these heavenly-minded Christians believed that no human effort could be relied upon to help the Acholi. It had to come from God. As one of the Christian workers in the camp said, God is tired of this war and suffering, and he will intervene. Because they believed that God would intervene, they also believed that it's worthwhile to work for good. In the United States, people who talk about God's future intervention are often accused of being escapists, impractical, so heavenly-minded that they're no earthly good. But in the refugee camps of northern Uganda, they were the most rational people. Whitmore discovered that they were the ones who kept saying things like, we want to make a difference here and now. We want to help with the orphans. We want to help in the name of Jesus Christ who is coming again. I'm ready as I love my brothers and sisters in Christ unconditionally as he has loved me carrying out the new commandment that Jesus gives his disciples in the upper room before his arrest. I'm a person who values fellowship, who values a Christian family, and who serves. Being ready is being a person who actually vocalizes and acts out with certainty and hope in a darkening world that scares people. Because this world needs your certainty and mine. They need to see our faith, our hope in the future. It's making our attitude come out like these words from Romans 8, the Apostle Paul, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Being ready is being a person of hope and certainty and living it out before the world that's watching Maybe you're wondering, well, that all sounds fine and good, but how can I be sure that this isn't just wishful thinking? Pie in the sky. It's because this hope, friend, is based on the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus once said, in the world you will have tribulation. Don't kid yourselves. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And he certainly has. At the cross and the resurrection. The resurrection makes the future certain for the follower of Jesus Christ. He took the full weight of evil, pain and death at that cross. And it could not hold him down. God has raised him from the dead. And the crucified and risen Christ has the final triumph. And that's the pledge. Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. And because he lives, I shall live also. Good news about the future. Oprah Winfrey writes a column in her magazine entitled, 
What I Know For Sure, which is about life lessons that she has built her life upon. She got the idea for this column from film critic Gene Siskel, who surprised her one time during an interview by asking her, Oprah, what do you know for sure? If someone were to ask you, my friend, what do you know for sure? I hope on your list there will be this statement. I know for sure that Jesus is coming again to take me to himself. I am his forever. Of this I am sure. Amen. Let me pray for us as we close this service today. Father, thank you for the promise that Jesus is coming again. We need that hope in our lives. By your Spirit's power, help us to trust in Jesus and always keep our eye on the big picture. Amen. Now, as you go on your way, may the Lord go with you. May he go before you to show you the way behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You've been worshiping with the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has inspired you to hold fast to the hope we have in Jesus Christ, who has overcome death and is returning to take you to be with him forever in your heavenly home. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit ministry supported by the prayers and financial gifts of those who desire to join in our mission, which is to reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
We are especially grateful for our Gift Every Month GEM Club members. These regular gifts sustain our ministry during quiet giving times. For your convenience, we are now able to take credit card donations by phone or mail. Your prayerful and financial support allows us to deliver biblical truths to those who cannot attend church. Today's service is available to be read and heard on the Internet. We also offer prayer support and other biblical helps for use in your faith walk. Visit us anytime on the web at christiancrusaders.org. And stay in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter. We are pleased you chose to worship with us this day, and we pray you will join us again next Sunday as we continue our Advent Sermon Series, A Promising Future, with the message, He Will Change You. Conducting today's service has been our speaker, Pastor Steve Kramer. Christian Crusaders has been blessed to preach biblical truth continuously for the past 83 years. From all of us here at Christian Crusaders, may God fill your week with His richest grace, mercy, and blessings. <laughs>